0: Than trying to be lately, all I have to do is think of me, and I have peace of mind. I'm tired of looking around, rooms wondering what I gotta do, or who I'm supposed to. Pones in church, just things that you never really thought that you would see. I'm going to grab some stuff out here. We've got a lot of moving parts today. Everybody good? Gavin DeGraw. The real question is, were you Team Lucas or Team Nathan with One Tree Hill? How many Lucas fans in the room? Nathan fans? Really? Really? You're wrong, but... Everybody is entitled to their wrong opinion. And so, <laughs> I don't want to be anything but me is the title of the song. It's the kind of the, the principle of the song that I, I don't want to be anything but me. I kind of want to flip it on its head today because I really think that's a, a dangerous ideology that we live a life focused on just being. Me, being who I naturally am, being selfish, self-centered, the world revolving around us. If if you notice, the world loves themselves a lot. I think it was T.O., I love myself some me. When you look in the mirror, I'm strong enough, good enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, just, (laughs) if you've ever been married, you know really quickly that, that there are two different humans that come together, and if you live a life focused on me, you're going to be unhappy really, really quick. Anybody in the room? Come on, there's a line of song. If you're not like this or like that, if you're not like me, then you, you have to leave, and that doesn't work inside of marriage. Uh, Gabby and I are figuring some things out in our, our first year of marriage. First off, I am married to literally the best person in the entire world, literally the kindest human. If... I'm going to poke some fun at both of us. I just want you to know we're good. We're in love. And if you have a problem with Gabby, you are the problem. Like, I'm not saying she's perfect, I'm just saying she's very rarely the problem. But there's differences, and there's differences in, in how we feel about things, there's differences in the temperature that we should set the home to. Come on, come on, go there, go there. This girl is cold in every circumstance. I feel like when we're, we're at the house, I'm like, are we on a ski trip? Is there, a, is there a, 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 a ski lodge that I'm missing? Are there ski lifts? Like, why do we have on long sleeves, long pants, socks, slippers, comforters, blankets? It's 75 degrees in here. And if that's not bad enough, she has all that on and she wants to cuddle. Guys, can we just make a a pact and agreement that when we go to sleep, we don't cuddle? I don't want to know that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here, but I definitely don't want to feel that you're here. I want to see you when I close my eyes, and I want to see you when my eyes open. But in between, I'd like to forget that you're here. The the body heat like a oven (laughs) radiating the sun focused on me we we separate we, we we view time differently when I when I married Gabby I, I said what are your love languages and she says well I've been single my whole life at 32 all of them <laughs> and that sounds fun so you have to do all of them like baby are you, are you quality time or quantity time both she has a statement, she's like, I, I just want to live in your pocket. It's so great. She's like, did you want it to be different? No, I want it to be just like this, just a little less sometimes, you know, just a little. <laughs> when it comes to food, I, I don't understand some things. She's, she's Mexican, and she doesn't like spicy food. Can't trust somebody that doesn't like spicy food. She also doesn't like seafood, but she likes... To, canned and bagged tuna. I just feel like we're gonna have prayer service for you after. <laughs> Can't trust somebody that doesn't have good food tastes. It's all the things that we look and we're different but the differences actually bring us closer together and if we just were focused on, on me that we would separate and the world has convinced you that it's all about you, your opinions are right, your feelings are right, your thoughts you are right and it feels validating but it's also isolating because then we isolate from anybody that thinks different. There's nobody I'd rather spend time with in hot or cold temperatures than my wife. There's nobody I'd rather eat mediocre food with than my wife. There's nobody I'd rather just sit and stare at each other. Than my, but those things that aren't, if they were natural, I would separate, but because there is a selflessness to marriage and a love, there is always give and there is always take and there is always compromise, and it's not just about me. I don't wanna be anything other than me is a song, what I'd like to submit to you this morning is is I don't want to be just me, I know me. I disagree with me constantly, I change my mind, I let people down, I let myself down. There's a line in the song that having identity crisis, and it may sound weird at all of our locations today, but actually my prayer, my goal for us today is for you to have a spiritual identity crisis because you have built your life around you, and it was never supposed to be built around you. It was supposed to be built around Jesus. But pastor, I, 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 I love me. I, I was born this way. This, you ever said that, that that's, just, that's, just, that's just me? Somebody does something, they have bad habits, they but well, you know, that's just, that's just Pastor Eddie. That's just Pastor, you, you know, that's just Pastor Eddie. That's just, they're just that way. Just because you were born that way doesn't mean you should stay that way. In fact, the heart is deceitful above all else, and so in fact, our natural tendencies, our natural thoughts, our natural inclinations, our natural feelings are very often the opposite of what God would have us do. I don't want to just be me. I want to be the opposite of natural me. I want to be the me surrendered to the calling of Jesus and following Jesus. I want to have a spiritual identity crisis where I am no longer at the center of my life. Verse comes to mind, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that, that lives on the inside of me, that we cannot be the center. You were, I was born this way, angry, greedy, lustful. But just because we were born naturally that way, it's not how we're supposed to be. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, that we were born one way, but that way, if we give our life to Jesus, has been crucified with him, we are raised to new life, a new creation, which means the old life, the former life is gone, a new life has begun. It's no longer about us. We are not the center of the story. We are not the main character. We are not the protagonist in the story God is writing. Jesus is, and we have a subplot. We have a Uh, an accessory role, we are the best supporting actor or actress in the story, we are not the main thing. Our identity has to be in Jesus, and we have to see everything through this filter. Not through our own filter, not through the filter of our success or our past or our failures, we see it through the filter of Jesus. It's a different way to see things, that I'm not the center that he is, that my life it's not founded on my own opinions, my own feelings, my own thoughts, but on the Word of God. In fact, the Word of God is the key to no longer being focused on you. The Word of God divides truth from lies. It is the filter. It is the dividing line. It is the one that I love in the message paraphrase, it says it's like a surgeon's scalpel. It comes in and it cuts things that, that shouldn't be there. In fact, in Hebrews, it says it divides soul from spirit. What do you mean? That's kind of weird. No, your mind, your, your will, and your emotions, the, the word of God will come in and divide you from who you're supposed to actually be. We are called to be spirit-led. Spirit-filled and spirit-led. We're not called to be soul-led. Your mind, your your best thoughts, your best strategies, your feelings, your emotions are not meant to lead you. That's why the word of God comes in and it divides soul from spirit. Let's read it in Hebrews 4 so you you see it. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. When you can say amen to scripture too, I I don't have to just be breathing loud and pacing for you to get excited. The, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. Why is that important? Because we tell the best lies to ourselves. And the word of God comes in and it says, I'm dividing what you think, I'm dividing how you feel. I know that it's real, your thoughts are real, your feelings are real, but they're not true. That's why the word of God comes and he divides our our soul from our spirit between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. What it does is it exposes them as faults because we put our thoughts and our feelings up against the word of God, and we know the word of God can't be wrong, so therefore when our thoughts and our feelings differ from the word of God, it begins to heal and restore because now we can submit or we can surrender those to him where it's no longer just about me, it's about Christ that lives in me and Christ that goes before me. Me and feelings at the center of our life will always leave us with the wrong perspective. If you see the whole world through the lens of you, you will always have a wrong perspective. It'll either be inflated with ego or discouraged with depression because you and I are faulty beings. We make mistakes. We have emotions. So we're either going to either have too high a view of self or too low a view of self. The key to that is surrendering self to the lordship of Jesus. It's living our life based on the word of God and the truth of God over our feelings, over our emotions. Even the the best intentioned people living a soul-led life will make mistakes because it will still end up being selfish. Because naturally speaking, that's what we are. Pastor, I'm not selfish. Yes, you are. It may look different. It may feel different. It may expose itself in different ways. But outside of Jesus, outside of surrendering our life to him and being led by the Spirit, that is actually the core of who we are is to think about self, to take care of self, to focus on self. I wanna do a brief study in the Old Testament just for a moment with the uh, kind of the life of one author of scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit empowered, inspired Solomon, King Solomon to write several books in the Old Testament but I wanna highlight two books this morning, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Same author, but with a different perspective. What I'm telling you is when you put yourself at the center, it changes everything else. We see Solomon writing the book of Proverbs in his prominence, in his growth, as he's building the temple, as he's growing the kingdom of God, and he's doing the right things, and God says you can have anything you want in the whole world, and he could have had riches, he could have had power, and he asked for wisdom. And He asked for wisdom because because he knew if he had God's wisdom, everything else would come. And I need you to get that today, that if you will ask God for the core thing, the foundational thing, that if you build your life on the things of God and not asking just for the the overflow or just for the things, but the foundation, your life will be different. We see Solomon write Proverbs in the height of his health where he is growing, he is focused on God, but then we see him write Ecclesiastes after he had drifted. After he had disobeyed God, after he had allowed some seductive and some attractive things to cause him to go against what God says don't marry this person, don't partner with this person, don't take this land, don't do this. And in his wisdom, he took the God given wisdom and used it for selfish gain. And then we see him write Ecclesiastes, not from a principle based place, not from a truth based place, but from a feelings based place. Same author. Same life, different perspective, because one is written out of feelings and one is written out of truth. Let's just look at them today. The, the different perspective from the same man just with a different center, a different foundation, a different focus. Solomon writes about wisdom in his, in his feelings. He writes this, Ecclesiastes 1, 18, For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Because he'd given his wisdom to his feelings, he'd given his wisdom to his, his, his whims, his natural instincts, and he had disobeyed God. Before that, in Proverbs, the, the truth about wisdom was Proverbs three, verse 13 and 14. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. Wisdom based on God. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. See the difference, one brings sorrow, one brings riches when God is at the center. Are you at the center or is God at the center? Proverbs four, verse six through eight. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. Look at look at hard work, the the view of of hard work from a feelings-based perspective versus a a, a principle or truth-based perspective. Ecclesiastes Solomon writes this, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Isn't it amazing, just pause for a second, how the same man who wrote Proverbs can write Ecclesiastes? Doesn't it show you Just how important it is to live a spirit-led life and not a soul-led life. Like we're talking about one of the great kings, we're talking about one of the great advancers of the kingdom of God, but when he allowed the world to enter in and his feelings to lead him, we see a polar opposite perspective because he drifted from spirit to soul, from principle to feeling. Talking about hard work, Proverbs 6, 6 and 8, take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones, learn from their ways and become wise so they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. The the different perspective of wisdom and hard work. Let's look at happiness. Got two from Ecclesiastes here and one from Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? Ecclesiastes 7.3, frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The same man that wrote, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. What's the difference between a joyful heart is good medicine and laughter is madness? Perspective. Because at one point, he's following God. If you could give me anything, just give me your wisdom. God, if you could give me anything, just give me your insight. God, if you could give me anything, just give me your your heart and, and what you think and how you feel. And from that perspective, we get proper views on hard work and wisdom and, and happiness, but when the world gets in, and it started with pleasure, and it started with advancement, and it started with success, but when he got to the end of conquering everything and growing every everything as big as it has ever been, and he had more money, more gold, more wives, more friends, more parties than anybody in the world, he realized that when he switched from being spirit-focused and following God to following what he would desire, he found the end of that was meaningless. In a me-based life, a me-centered life, a feelings-focused life, an opinions-focused life, a success-focused life, anything built with you at the center, you will get to the end of whatever journey you're on, and you will realize this wasn't it. This wasn't it. When it comes to money, Ecclesiastes 10, 19, a feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry and money is the answer for everything. Proverbs 11, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. Again, it's a perspective. Are we seeing things the way God sees them? Are we seeing things through our own perspective? a life around me, a life around feelings at the center will always leave us with the wrong perspective. Always, always. Jude talks about this, chapter one, verse 18. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's. Love, that there are people that will try and divide. There are things that will try and get us to focus on other things. And what Jude is saying here is we gotta come back to the center, that Jesus Christ is the center of our life, that his word is our foundation, that his example is the one that we should follow, that we should not follow even what we think or what others think. We should follow what he says and what he did. And when we differ from that, we should change. The Bible calls it repentance. For we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, and when we realize that, we need to repent from it. We have stopped preaching living repentance, and we've settled for tolerance. We've settled for tolerance. And tolerance in and of itself, its proper definition is not bad, but what I want to talk about is the tolerance that the world has redefined. It is my birthday today, so you can't be mad at me, but this is not gonna be fun. Can't hate somebody on your birthday. I'm about to offend everybody in the room. The ability, tolerance, the ability or willingness to tolerate something, in particular, the existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not necessarily agree with. I'm okay with that that definition of tolerance. But what we've settled for, and again, I'm gonna offend everybody, so just hold on, don't leave. The woke far left definition of tolerance is I have to agree with everything you believe about everything to love you or even have any type of relationship with you. That to be in relationship with you, I have to agree with everything you believe about everything. And in this world, that changes on a week-to-week basis. Not only is it insanity for me to believe everything you believe in your head, But the fact that it changes based off of how you feel on a week to week basis means I can't keep up with what you're offended by. I can't keep up with what you're upset with. What are we fighting this week? It's insanity. You settle for tolerance instead of calling people to repentance. Tolerance is a half measure from a lukewarm world, it's not real love. Me saying you are fine just the way you are is opposite to the scriptures. You're not fine just the way you are. I'm not fine just the way that I am. My sin does not separate me any less than yours, but I need to be clear that your sin, whatever it is you fill in the blank that you've cuddled up next to, that you've became your identity wrapped in your sin is separating you eternally from God, and we cannot tolerate it. Tolerance will lead people to hell. Repentance will lead people to Jesus. I need to tell somebody, you are not just what you do. You are not just what you struggle with. The world has labeled you or defined you or identified you as what you struggle with or what you choose to be, and you are so much more than just what you do or how you feel. What a shallow way to live that I'm just gonna live based off of how I feel. Before I leave anybody out, let me talk about the far right's view of tolerance. If you don't fall in line with everything I believe about my version of scripture and God or my version of America, you're my enemy. Told you I was getting everybody. Just woke up and chose violence. (laughs) Let me talk to you for a second. You are not fully represented. Your identity is not in just what you stand for, your principles from an earthly perspective, that as a Christian, you don't get just to hate and break relationship, cancel, judge, and separate from those who are different than you. That's hatefulness, not godliness, by the way. A lot of times, I hear people on the far right say, man, the far left's crazy. Y'all both crazy. Only difference is you're crazy and you're scared. How is it that the most frightened people I know are the, the most Christian and principled people that I know? How in the world, could, I'm so scared, I'm, uh, what, what's gonna happen? I thought you, I thought you were a Christian. What, what if they say this, and what if they do this, and what if they change this? Did you stop serving the kingdom and start serving this kingdom? <laughs> Y'all both crazy, but one of you scared. These two camps aren't as different as you think because they're both centered around me and pride. They both settle for idolatry, one the idolatry of feelings, the other the idolatry of principles. And not always God's principles, their principles. And both need to take a step out of the center of their own world, put God at the center, and I guarantee you with God at the center, we'll see things with a different perspective. Galatians 2, verse 20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are not the center. Too many of us, our world looks like our solar system, but instead of the sun being the center, you and I are the center, and everything revolves around us. Everything. You've been around those type of people. You've been that type of person where it doesn't matter what's going on, they're gonna make it about them. You ever had that person at dinner? You're telling a story like, oh, well, I know exactly how that feels. I wasn't done talking. (laughs) You ever had the subject changer that always makes it about them? Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, let me tell you a story. It has nothing to do with what you're saying because I'm so self-centered that I wasn't even following the conversation. I just have a Rolodex of stories that I'm gonna share now. We see a, a Facebook post or Instagram post or a message, and, and without any context, we just see everything for how it makes us feel. You, you, everything we see through, if we're not careful through a lens of self. That person must be talking about me. That person must be against me. That person must be this. And because we've made ourselves the sun, and we think every relationship, every idea, everything that happens should revolve around us. I don't want to be the center because me at the center is a dangerous dangerous place because check this the sun is a source of life and when you're at the center you're going to be a source of life and you are not that source so not even from a healthy place can you give what needs to be given to those around you you are not called to be the sun you are called to be the moon you and i are not the source we are merely a reflection i don't have any power i don't have any heat I don't have any light except that which Jesus gives me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And from that place, I can see people that are suffering differently. I can see people that are scared differently. I can see people in a different light because I no longer have to struggle being the source. I receive from the source and I reflect his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his truth and his repentance and his justice, the full gambit of scripture. But from that place, it's from a different perspective. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm not coming to tear you down. I'm coming to build you up. I'm not coming to destroy you. I'm coming to give you a path to freedom and safety. When Jesus is the source, we respond differently. We look differently. We feel differently. The solution is I don't want to be just me. I want to be less of me and more of him. I wanna end with this very personal to you. We've not just accepted a new definition of tolerance in society. As Christians, we begin to tolerate our own sins. And I wanna give you a chance today across all of our locations to stop tolerating the things that are separating you from God, the things that are putting you in the middle of your own story and to stop tolerating them and repent from them. say, I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to change some things on the inside of me because what I'm doing is not working. We've all been there before. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. In fact, if you're really honest, we fall short consistently because Solomon like really loved God. There's some things in life caused him to, to have God exit the center and put himself in. It's not just a a one-time thing. Yeah, we are saved by faith. We are justified by faith, a a one-time decision, which we surrender. But the The walking out of our salvation is a daily or weekly or hourly process of saying, God, I got in the way. God, I got in the middle. God, I got the wrong perspective. I I need your word to come in and and do some surgery this week. I'm in my feelings in my marriage. I'm in my feelings in my my parenting. I'm in my feelings in my approach to people. It's not just a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's a discipline thing. It's a consistency thing. And it says this in Titus. I want to close with this. And this is all of us. Again, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. This is all of us in certain seasons, maybe all of us already today. Because once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Church, I want you to be very clear that we are are called to, to stand up for the gospel. We are called to stand up for people that cannot stand up for themselves. We are called to help the hurting. We are called to resource those without it. We are called to to stand up for righteousness. But we're not called to be divisive and hateful. In fact, it's our selfishness that separates us not only from God, but it separates us from people who need God. Our lives are full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and his love, come on, verse 5, he saved us. He saved us. He saved you. I believe that Songfest week two, Gavin DeGraw, the whole message, the whole day for several of you was just that statement. He saved you. When you couldn't save yourself, when you couldn't pick yourself up, when you couldn't make any more changes, Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself. He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. Sometimes we get stuck in a a church service because we think that our sin is worse, that people that got baptized, or people that got a name tag on, or or people that are in this church thing, they, they must have done some good things to get where they are. No, 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 we just recognize that we couldn't do anything and we gave it to Jesus. It's not the righteous things we've done. In fact, there is nothing you can do, check this, that is righteous without a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that that, that our our self-righteousness is like garbage without Jesus being the head, without Jesus being the Lord. It's not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Not your righteousness, his mercy. Not your gifts, but his grace. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So much of my childhood was, was people saying, well, I was, just, I was just born this way. And the church's like, no, you weren't. They got it wrong. You were. I was born that way. But that's why it says right here that we have to have a new birth. You were born this way, but that's why God calls you to be reborn into his family. Your struggle is real. Your lusts are real, your your, your mind and your thoughts and that stuff is real, but that doesn't mean that it has to be the truth for the rest of your life. You and I were born that way, but we can be reborn into a new life and a new purpose. New birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. Verse six, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse seven, because of his grace, he made us right he made us pure, he made us holy, not because we did it, but because he did it. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight, and he gave us a confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The problem we get stuck in is we, when we make ourselves the source is we forget that we're playing a much bigger, much longer game than what's happening right now. We're trying to fight spiritual battles with earthly weapons. And I felt like it's a word for somebody today, and I don't mean to be offensive, but I kinda do. For an insecure, scared Christian that's trying to control everything in their life and in their country and in the world, that you need the word of God to come in and divide soul from spirit, that you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be afraid. That Jesus is who he says he is. He can do what he says he's gonna do. God is still on the throne. He is not surprised. You've been saved from your sins. You have eternity with God. And in this life, you're not called to figure it all out, you're called to fall at the feet of Jesus. You're not called to be the source, you're called to be surrendered. And from that place, I have less opinions. I have less fears, I have less doubts because I'm no longer putting myself in the center of responsibility. I'm saying, God, you lead and I'll follow. You call and I'll listen. You say go, and I'll say, where are we headed? Once we're foolish, fallen, and sinful, but because of Jesus, we can be redeemed, restored, set free, and victorious. Not because of us, but because of Him. So I want to invite you today across all of our locations to step out of the center, stop being the source, and reflect God's love. Patience, his mercy, his kindness. Stop living for me and start living for him. If you bow your heads at all of our locations, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. And we praise you. We thank you for meeting us here this morning. Church, every head bowed and every eye closed. We preached the full gospel with Titus today, and there's no need to resummarize it. Jesus did what you could never do, He died for you lived for you, died as you, raised to new life, giving you power. If you today wanna stop being the source of your own life, stop being the center that everything rotates around, and you wanna build your life on the lordship, on the kingship of Jesus, surrendering to his control, no longer tolerating your sin, but repenting from it. The conviction you feel leads us to repentance. It leads us to a change. Say, Pastor, I wanna live a spirit-led life where the Spirit of God is the source, not me. I wanna give you that opportunity right now to make Jesus the center of your life today. If that's you for the first time, or by recommitting your life today, maybe you stepped out of God's best, you've lived in your feelings, you've pursued your own things, but today you're coming back to a foundation of truth, a foundation where Jesus is at the center. It's no longer about me, it's about him, and you're recommitting your life today. So for the first time, for the first time in a long time, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I want Jesus to be the center of my life. He's the source and I am not. I am no longer in control. One, two, three, four, five, six, yes, yeah, seven, eight. A couple more over here. Yes, ma'am. Yep, got you in the back. Yep, yep, yep. Come on in the stadium, raise it high. Let's see it, yes, 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 yep, gotcha. Sanford. Come on, Novito, action online. Just a couple more moments. Anybody say, I'm no longer the center. I don't want to be the source. I, I want to receive from the source and then live that out faithfully, a spirit-led life. Yeah, a couple more. Proud of you. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth today and believing in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. And God, I give you that place, complete control. Jesus, have your way. Me, Thank you for doing for me what I could never do for myself. Now, God, I pray for all of us. God, I pray that we would let some things die this week, that we would die to self, crucify with you, and we'd walk faithfully in the victory you have for us with you at the source and you leading us in Jesus' name, that we are going to be more secure knowing that we are not at the center, we are not in control but you. We're gonna be spirit-led and truth-led, not feelings and emotions and opinions led in Jesus' name. God, we love you, we thank you for meeting us here. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Can we give Jesus come on our best today, what he did?